Welcome to The Abandoned Carousel, the show where I take a deep dive into the stories of the most interesting abandoned and defunct theme parks and amusements in the world. I'm your host, Ashley. This week, I'm talking about the still operational family theme park in southern Wisconsin, with connections to dozens of now defunct theme parks and amusement parks. Today, it's time for the story of Little America. When one is trying to visit Little America, the first impression is always along the lines of, are you sure you typed in the right address into this thing? To get to Little America, one heads west from Milwaukee or east from Madison, there in the heart of Wisconsin. You take exit 250 off I-94, and then you drive another five miles along Wisconsin 73, past farmhouses in groves of shady trees, big fields of corn starting to grow tall in the summer sunshine. It's a nice, two-lane little road. It's just rural enough and just far enough off the beaten path that you invariably ask your fellow car riders, are you sure this is the right way? But eventually you hit the small town of Marshall, Wisconsin, and you take a ride at the stoplight, at the Ace Hardware, and then... There it is, just down Main Street. The first thing you see is a bizarre tree? No, that's a roller coaster. And no, that, that is definitely a giant inflatable tiger butt. That, my friends, is how I met the Little America theme park. Now, this is an audio medium, but the park is spelled A-M-E-R-R-I-C-K-A, a somewhat troubling yet ultimately harmless spelling named after its founder, Lee Merrick. Now, Lee was born in Illinois. He was a farm boy. Eventually, he found success in the necessary but unpleasant field of livestock rendering. His son, Garth, currently runs the Merrick family brand of pet food, seen in stores all over. In his spare time, Merrick found a hobby in large-scale miniature trains. Not little HO train sets like you might find in someone's basement or garage, but grand-scale, rideable miniature trains. Say, such as those we might talk about here on the abandoned carousel, for instance. Yes, my friends, we are back to talking about trains again. Hang on to your hats. Merrick had apparently been involved in the grand-scale miniature train scene since the mid-1960s, but it took until 1987 for Merrick to meet up with the other main figure in our story, Daryl Klompmaker. That year, 1987, Merrick purchased the land in Marshall, Wisconsin that is now Little America, and he set himself up a nice miniature train loop. According to Klompmaker, in an interview with Park World Online, the train was really the genesis for Little America. You see, they set it up so that the train took guests out to cut Christmas trees and then took them back to their cars. I mean, can't you imagine how fun that would be? A steam engine on a snowy Wisconsin winter day, maybe with some hot chocolate. It's very picturesque. Of course, the train ride was incredibly popular, and they soon added a second building onto their train loop. And this building can actually still be seen today. It's right at the entrance to the park, and it's now the main concession stand and the main offices. Even back at this time, in the late 1980s, Klopmaker said that Merrick already had four rides in storage. 
These were reportedly the Ferris wheel, the Tilt-A-Whirl, the fire truck ride, and the bumper cars. Reportedly, Merrick offered Klontmaker a job around this time, and in 1989, plans for the park began in earnest. Klontmaker is quoted as saying, quote, I kind of fell into the amusement industry. Lee didn't really have a plan, he just had the railroad. He thought that if we added the miniature golf course and a couple of rides alongside the train, it might draw people in and keep them longer. End quote. In 1991, Little America opened with those four original rides, with the mini golf course and with the extended train loop. By the time I'm recording this episode in 2019, the park has expanded to 26 operational rides catering to the young family crowd in southern Wisconsin. The park, unlike some, was not planned. There were no blueprints, there were no plans, and some of the rides have actually even moved a few times during the park's lifetime. Quote, it just kind of grew, almost like a mushroom, end quote, said Merrick in a video interview from years ago. Quote, wasn't planned, it was just spontaneous, end quote. What I personally love about Little America, and the reason I decided to do this episode today, is how the park has taken on all of these seeds of older parks and planted them to grow anew. Little America has only been open for 28 years. I'm older than Little America. But it feels like a place out of time. This theme park feels like it's been there in the cornfields for longer than forever. Like I said, the park is situated about five miles from the nearest big road. Location is key, yes, but this park is still close enough and easy enough to access from major cities that the park has not suffered significantly from its results out in the middle of nowhere. You park your car adjacent to the theme park, either in a grassy field or a muddy field, depending on how recently it's rained. There are two entrances, one from the parking lot and one right off Main Street for any pedestrians. Of course, entrance to the park itself is free. Little America has a wristband ticket system and it allows the guests to bring in their own food and drink as well. This obviously makes the park a cost-effective place for families to visit and is part of the reason why the park is so successful. The atmosphere at Little America is charming and freewheeling. It's like something out of a history film. Each of the park's 26 rides tell a story. And today I'll be telling you a little bit about a lot of different defunct theme parks because that's the thread that weaves through Little America. We'll start with the connective tissue between this episode and the last episode. Perhaps you're not listening in release order. That's fine, this isn't a serialized podcast. You can listen in whatever episode you want. In last week's episode at the time of the recording, I talked about Dog Patch USA, that theme park down in Arkansas based on Al Cap's Lil Abner comic strip. Well, Dog Patch USA closed at the end of the 1993 season, and it began selling off its assets. One of the rides being sold was that original prototype Chance Toboggan called Earthquake Magoon's Brain Rattler. This was different than later Chance Toboggans in that it was not on a trailer, but was a permanent installation, built in 1969. If you listened to last week's episode, I'm going to correct the record a little bit. I misspoke slightly. Before Dogpatch was closed, the toboggan was sold in an effort to cut costs, reportedly around 1988. A little park called Enchanted Forest in Chesterton, Indiana, purchased the ride 
in a last-ditch effort to stay operational itself. We'll talk more about Enchanted Forest in a minute, but know that the effort was in vain. Enchanted Forest operated through the 1990 season and did not reopen in 1991. In the fall of 1991, all of their assets went up for auction. And we've actually got a delightful treasure online, the original 1991 auction flyer, which I'll link in the show notes. For this episode, of course, the show notes would be found at theabandonedcarousel.com backslash 20. In the link for the auction flyer, you can see the pictures of the rides on offer, including the toboggan painted its distinctive tan on brown. And you can see the serial number, 69-4101. Well, Merrick and Klompmaker purchased the toboggan at the auction for a cool $30,000, and they installed it at Little America soon after. Klompmaker is quoted in the Little America mini-documentary as saying that the color scheme, brown and tan, appealed greatly to Merrick and was part of the reason why they ended up purchasing the ride. They knew they had to have it because of that color scheme. Who would have thought? Interestingly, the Indiana State inspection sticker on the ride could be seen in 2001, years after it had been already operating in Wisconsin. Today, the toboggan at Little America is the last currently operating toboggan at the time of this recording, according to the roller coaster database, although there are a few nominally in storage. One such quote-unquote in storage is the toboggan at Connaught Lake Park in Pennsylvania, and there are summer 2019 photos of this ride where you can see the ride folded up into pieces, of course this was a traveling ride, and it's basically anchored to the ground, overgrown with vines and other flora, and covered in rust. So I don't think that one's going to be operating anytime soon. Funnily enough, the toboggan is often one of the major draws to Little America, at least for out-of-towners, due to the novelty of the coaster. If you're not familiar, there's this thing called coaster counts, or coaster credits. Coaster enthusiasts travel the world and log as many coasters as they can ride. You keep your own list, or you can find a list on a website. The current leader on the website Coaster Count is a person named George, and George has ridden 2,872 coasters as of the time of this recording. How many roller coasters have you ridden in your lifetime? Back at Little America, some in-trip reports describe the toboggan as the worst coaster ever devised. One trip report says, quote, Ironically, after 500 roller coasters, the scariest rides are no longer ultra-intimidating strata coasters, but things like this. End quote. There's about 450 feet of track, crammed into about 45 feet of length. The coaster cars are tiny, small, claustrophobic, enclosed cages for two. This is not the ride for a tall person or a large person. How does the ride work? The chain winches you vertically up this central tube. You stare at the sky like an astronaut about to launch. And then you do this slow, dizzying downward spiral five and a half times around the outside of the lift tube. And since you're in this cage-like car, your visibility is compromised. And so the violent little bunny hills at the end of the ride are this jarring surprise. Your knees, your head, your back, they all take a beating on this ride despite the car's internal padding, and despite the apparent simplicity of the ride as you're slamming back into the station. 
It's either a blessing or a curse for the roller coaster enthusiast this ride. Every ride, though, at Little America has a history. We don't know about all of them in as much detail, but the rides are almost entirely secondhand. This allows the visitor in the know to trace the connections to parks past, parks still operational, or parks defunct. Let's go back to the Enchanted Forest. Clompmaker and Merrick had gone to the auction at Enchanted Forest in Chesterton, Indiana, intent on purchasing a Scrambler ride. They ended up with a lot of stuff. They did get their Scrambler, and they got the Toboggan, as we've already talked about. Something else that was there caught their eye, though, at that auction. And like the best of the impulse purchasers among us, they bought it. It was the Mad Mouse Coaster, to the tune of $6,000. Now, I'm not really going to talk about any of the defunct parks that I'm going to mention. I'll just give you the Reader's Digest Cliff Notes version. Enchanted Forest sat in a state of flux for a few years, as I've alluded to a couple times. It's a park worthy of its own episode. For now, the park operated between 1994 and 2009 as Splashdown Dunes, and then reopened again from 2013 to 2017, as Seven Peaks Water Park Duneland. It's currently abandoned. Like I said, it's worthy of its own episode. Any park with three different names gets its own episode. Now, again, as I did note in the Dog Patch episode, this Mad Mouse coaster is not the Mad Mouse coaster from Dog Patch. That one was a Monster Mouse model, which has this extra loop of track to the left of the lift hill. And Little America instead has a wild mouse model, which doesn't have that extra loop of track. The vintage mouse coaster is an endangered species, and particularly the Alan Herschel Mad Mouse coasters are a very endangered species. This specific coaster that we're talking about is a wild mouse model that was manufactured in 1960. And it's been at Little America since 1993. It was the only Herschel Mad Mouse in operation until just a few months ago at the time of this recording, when in July of 2019, another wild mouse opened up at the small Arnold's Park in Iowa, which is actually that coaster's third location. Now, I'm not sure that we've actually even talked about a Mad Mouse coaster in any depth yet here on the abandoned carousel. So if you're unfamiliar... Mouse coasters run with this single wide car instead of a train of cars. And these wide cars overhang the the edges of the narrow track. And this ride is really about psychology. The track itself is characterized by a lot of tight, unbanked turns, as well as short bunny hills. And despite their sort of name and descriptions, mouse coasters are often actually quite thrilling because of the abrupt negative G-forces and good airtime. These vintage coasters are often cars without seatbelts. And so the Little America ride doesn't have seatbelts. It just has sort of a grab bar. The original ride operator instructions were apparently, quote, sit down, shut up, and hold on, end quote. And this is apparently an exact quote. In trip reports, some chide the appearance of the Mad Mouse. One review describes it as, quote, basically a giant plug-and-play erector set roller coaster, end quote. Another commenter online describes it thusly, quote, Mad Mouse twists and turns on a naked track that weebles and wobbles, end quote. And still others call it rickety, rusty, horrifying, death trap, and never seen one quite like it. 
but almost invariably people love it. The Mad Mouse at Little America is generally considered its most popular coaster. In a final fun fact, the cars on the Mad Mouse all have these padded bumpers on the front, just like pool noodles put onto the front of the cars, because originally at Enchanted Forest, seven cars were run at a time, and sometimes they bumped into each other. Now at Little America, they usually only run three or four at once, because it's a different time. Now, Merrick and Klumpmaker have found impulse purchases at other places, too. The auction for the former Peony Park in Omaha, Nebraska, occurred in 1994. They went down to purchase the Kitty Boat Ride. You know, it's one of those standard rides where a handful of boats spend in endless circles over a pool of water. Spoiler alert, my kids hate this ride. Do your kids hate this ride? Mm-mm. In addition to the Kitty Boat Ride, though, they picked up an incredibly unique ride on a whim. The monorail. It was formerly called Skyrail. Apparently, it took about six trips with one truck back and forth between Marshall, Wisconsin and Omaha, Nebraska to move the pieces of the Skyrail. Now, this is technically not a monorail since there are three rails, but let's not be a pedantic person about things. The ride is actually almost Mad Mouse-esque. It's got these wide cars that overhang the tracks, but ultimately it's just a flat loop high above the park that encircles the park, allowing for lovely views. Now, I haven't been able to actually find out much about this ride. Um, One report claims without source that only two of these rides were ever made, and that this is the only one in operation. This isn't unbelievable. Uh, Despite my research, I've been unable to find any other rides like this one. It was kind of fun to ride, and a little bit thrilling. Other rides we have less details on. Take that Ferris wheel that was stored away and opened with the park. It was a 12-car Eli Ferris wheel that came from Wonderland Park in Amarillo, Texas, when Wonderland upgraded their wheel. Other than that, not much is known about it. The carousel reportedly came from somewhere in Boston. The tilt-a-whirl, quote-unquote, possibly came from Ohio and has apparently been moved twice on the Little America grounds. One report pings this as the oldest permanent currently operational Tilt-A-Whirl in the world, with serial number 614 made in 1939. However, Wikipedia cites without sources a claim that a Midwest traveling carnival called Evans United Shows still operates a traveling 1927 model. Whatever the case, Little America's Tilt-A-Whirl is old, and it has a very fun licensed Mario sculpture standing in the center spinning around with you. Little Dipper, the Alan Herschel classic kitty coaster, came from a private owner who'd been running the ride in his backyard. It came to Little America when the Missouri town he lived in decided to institute a no-coasters-in-the-backyard policy. The Little Dipper was manufactured in 1953, and it still has its original flat-iron-spoke wheels. It makes a small circuit around the kiddie ride area at Little America with an 11-foot lift hill and a few bunny hills before the station. Apparently in most parks, this ride has a maximum height limit. Here at Little America, anyone can ride. Most adults probably won't find it that exciting, but it's a great first coaster. I don't need to go into the entire list of the park's rides, but suffice it to say there are plenty. Bumper boats, a haunted house, mini golf, the inflatable slide, a carousel, bounce house, etc. All of them are apparently secondhand. 
the only ride the park purchased brand new was the Red Baron Kitty Airplane ride. The Roloplane at Little America is a gem in the crown of the park. If you're not familiar with the ride, this was a 1934 improvement on the 1931 Irely Plane. Not familiar with that? I wasn't either. The rides were built by the Irely Aircraft Company. Another Lee, Lee Irely, had always been a mechanically minded person. He built and raced his own cars and airplanes in the early 1900s, and he began his own flying school in Oregon. He built this custom flight trainer for his students. It was originally called the Orientator, and then later called the Aeroplane. The students did well, but Irely began being approached by a salesman who saw the flight trainer while passing by the school's parking lot. And there's actually video of this early trainer that uh, is available on YouTube, and I'll link it in the show notes. The salesman proposed selling the airplane, or the orientator, to theme parks and carnivals. Irely sort of apparently reluctantly agreed, but upon seeing the profit totals that next year, he was happily surprised. And he came out with the next model, the Lupo plane, soon after that. And although they're somewhat rare rides now, a 1951 Billboard article notes that over 500 of these had been produced around that time, saying, quote, there is scarcely a show or a park that doesn't have one, end quote. So I said there was the Lupo plane, and then the Rolo plane, of course, came after the Lupo plane, and this was in 1934. And the Rolo plane is just a little variation on the Lupo plane. It executes what's called an Immelman turn, named after the World War I ace Max Immelman. And so this is how you do an Immelman. It's easier if you see a video, but um, the plane is accelerating at a level flight, and then it climbs vertically in a half loop. And then it completes a half roll, coming back to level flight at an altitude above the original flight path in the opposite direction. Reportedly, this is a difficult maneuver in an actual plane. And of course, if you're not sure, I haven't even described which ride I'm talking about. It's sort of like two rocket ships at the end of a big long pole and they spin around as they, as the, the rocket ships themselves spin around as the big long pole spins around. Anyhow, as I mentioned, this was once an incredibly popular ride, but these days in 2019, there are very few Lupo planes, Rolo planes. There's very few of any of them anymore. American Clompmaker picked up their rollerplane from, quote, a very small park in northern Indiana, end quote, for about $75,000. Clompmaker is quoted describing his pride in their restoration of the ride. Apparently, the same ride inspector who'd once inspected the ride in Indiana came to do the inspection on the ride in Wisconsin, and he did not believe that it was the same ride until he checked the serial number. The ride is pristine, shiny, gorgeous, and the operators are generous with the ride time on it. It's probably the most thrilling ride at Little America. So while the Rolo plane might be the most thrilling ride, the Meteor is really the shining star of the Little America ride pantheon. It's reportedly the only wooden coaster that's been successfully moved twice. You see, the Meteor was originally called the Little Dipper. It was manufactured by PTC, Philadelphia Toboggan Company, for the Kittytown Park in the Chicagoland area, specifically Norwich, Illinois, around 1953. 
It was a nice little junior coaster and reportedly was one of about six that were manufactured. Today, only one nearly identical sister coaster survives at Kittyland in Melrose Park, Illinois. Or at least it once was there. So Little Dipper, as it was known then, operated there in Chicago until the Kitty Town Park was shuttered. The coaster has serial number 120 from PTC, and it was designed by famous designer Herbert Paul Schmeck. Do you remember another coaster that I've already talked about here on the Abandoned Carousel that was also designed by him? Of course, I'll post the answer in the website show notes. Hillcrest Park, another Chicagoland location in Lemont, Illinois, purchased the classic wooden coaster in 1966 for $6,000. They then spent another $66,000 to move the coaster 30 miles from one side of Chicago to the other. The former site of Kitty Town is now a bank. Hillcrest, Hillcrest Park, that purchased the coaster, it's not a very well-known place. It was a private picnic park used for corporate outings, weddings, stuff like that. The park handled between 200 to 2,000 guests in a day, and it operated the Little Dipper there from 1967 until 2003. In addition to the coaster, Hillcrest had things like a helicopter ride, bumper cars, a merry-go-round, and of course, our friend the C.P. Huntington miniature train. This one, number 41. In 2003, Hillcrest Park simultaneously saw a decline in the number of corporate outings, and an increase in the value of the land itself. It became not profitable to operate the park, so it was closed in 2003. Today, the land is warehouses, storage, and parking lots. The auction for Hillcrest Park was held in October of 2003, and of course, Klompmaker was in attendance. He purchased the Little Woody Coaster for between nine dollars and $10,000. Now, lest this number start making you think that you might open your own park in your spare time, it then took Klompmaker another three years and over $100,000 to restore the ride and install it at Little America. Little America had to replace about 75% of the lumber in the wooden coaster in the end, but, quote, it was still cheaper than buying new, end quote. Today, the coaster sits in the center of the Little America theme park, looking as though the rest of the park had been planned around it, despite being one of the newer additions to the park. It has a unique curved loading station, and it still uses those classic vintage large person-sized wooden handles that break the coaster. The sister coaster I'd mentioned earlier had originally been at Kittyland Melrose Park, but it was purchased in 2009 by Six Flags Great America and currently operates there at the time of this recording. One of the best parts of Little America is the ride operators, who on the whole give you plenty of bang for your buck. On the Meteor, for your two tickets, $3 worth, you get at least three complete circuits on the coaster. Maybe more, depending on how the operator's feeling that day and how busy the park is. Interestingly, the Meteor is, according to some, only practice for a larger event. You see, Merrick and Klopmaker took a trip to New England in the early 2000s, inspecting some defunct coasters at Whalum Park and Lincoln Park, both Massachusetts theme parks. At Whalum Park, they were looking into the Flying Comet Coaster. 
This opened in 1940 and closed around 2000. It was a classic old figure-eight-style woody designed by Vernon Keenan. Wayland Park shuttered, as seems to be the common refrain, due to financial struggles and competition for audiences from mega parks like Six Flags. However, the park then sat abandoned for half a decade after its closure as assets were sold off piece by piece or left to rot. The Flyer Comet fit both of these categories. Unfortunately, weather and time had not been kind to the ride, some 70 years old at the time it enters our story. Klompmaker and Merrick inspected the ride and found the wood of the Flyer Comet coaster in very poor shape. This is unsurprising. Trip reports and memories of the park that are available from its active years in the late 90s describe the coaster as dangerous, wobbly. Some people even remember seeing actual pieces of wood fall off during coaster rides. Despite the quality of the wood, Klopmaker and Merrick were able to salvage the mechanical parts, the lift motors, the lift chain, and some of the other station parts. But this required the track of the coaster to be actually cut apart. And so this was really the final death knell for the original Flyer Comet. The coaster sat there, cut up, overtaken with greenery, rotting away for several more years prior to its eventual demolition. Their next stop was Lincoln Park in North Dartmouth. Now, this park had been around since 1894, operating first as a picnic park traditional to that time period, and then later becoming more of a traditional amusement park as we know it. There again, they were looking for a vintage wooden coaster, and this one was called the Comet. Not the Flyer Comet, just the Comet. It opened in 1947. This one was designed by Vernon Keenan. Yes, the same Vernon Keenan who designed the Flyer Comet we were just talking about. Funny, isn't it? Keenan designed the Comet with a guy named Edward Lees, and it was built by a guy named Harry Baker. Interestingly, Keenan and Baker also built a bunch of other coasters, including the 1927 Coney Island Cyclone Coaster. And ironically, it's the Cyclone Coaster, the oldest of this family of coasters, that's the only one still in operation. And as a sidebar to a sidebar, the Coney Island Cyclone is an interesting story. It was saved from demolition back in the day by a massive refurbishment effort in the mid-1970s. Reportedly, millions of dollars have been invested since then in order to keep the ride running, along with another major refurbishment in 2011. Apparently, the structure is actually considered irreplaceable, since wooden coasters can no longer be built under New York City building codes. A single ride today on this 92-year-old coaster costs $10. So back to our original topic, which was the Comet. And there's actually a great video from the opening day of the Comet that's available on YouTube. I'll link it in the show notes. Again, we'll only go briefly into it since this is technically a Little America episode and not a Lincoln Park episode. But the downfall of Lincoln Park, for once, was not solely finances. In fact, it actually revolves around the coaster that we're talking about. This time, the story's a little bit more grim. In 1986, there was a fatal accident on the Comet Coaster. The owner reportedly invested $75,000 in upgrades and park safety over the next year, but it wasn't enough. He was quoted in the papers talking about the ride's safety, and only four months after that, in the fall of 1987, 
the coaster's brakes failed, or they were applied too early, depending on the source. This caused a coaster car to actually jackknife on the track and derail, leaving passengers dangling over the edge in a car and reportedly injuring four people. I'll link to an image of the incident in the show notes. The coaster's cars are quite arresting looking, and even more so when the car isn't on the tracks correctly. This 1987 ride was the coaster's last, and ultimately the park closed as a result a few months later. The park changed hands several times before its current development company owner purchased it. And this changing of changing of the guard didn't do the park any favors. It suffered heavy damages from arson, weather, and vandalism. Many of Lincoln Park's assets were auctioned off, but the coaster was left, standing but not operating. It was already 40 years old at the time of the park's closure, and there it sat. Reportedly, the jackknifed coaster car stayed in place on the track well into the 90s. Well, come the mid-2000s, American Clockmaker investigated the coaster and its components now up for sale after the lift hill collapsed in 2005. The wood from the track, I mean, obviously it had to be in poor shape, unsurprising considering it had been unmaintained in the elements for almost another two decades since the park's closure. And despite the coaster's somewhat grim ending, it really was a good coaster with a solid history. And so Merrick and Klopmaker ended up purchasing the trains from the Comet, as well as the blueprints for the ride. Reportedly, one train is in decent shape, while the other, probably our jackknifed friend, needs significant work. Ultimately, the plan is to refurbish the original trains and then to use new lumber to build a copy of the Comet at Little America. This is obviously a huge plan for a little park, and there's no expected timetable for this to occur. But what an eventual tribute to the two long-standing wooden coasters this project will be when it's finally completed. About the Comet, the Comet's remaining wooden structure was demolished in 2012. The land is now condominiums. A local woodworking company was reportedly given salvage rights for the lumber, and is said to have created unique outdoor furniture with the wood from the former coaster. Not only are they planning on a larger coaster, but they also have plans for a water ride too. Clockmaker and Merrick had been on the trail of a log flume for the park for years. They passed on a poor quality flume at the auction for the old Indiana theme park, and they never heard back about their offer on the log flume from the Miracle Strip Amusement Park in Florida. Ultimately, they purchased a log flume called the Log Jammer from Kittyland in Melrose Park, Illinois, which opened in 1995 and closed in 2009. You might even remember me mentioning Kittyland in Melrose Park a few minutes ago. It was the original home of the sister coaster to the Meteor. The pieces to the log flume have sat in a field at Little America for years, maintained but not yet assembled, visible from the monorail. Eventually, the log flume will be installed at Little America, but again, there's no timetable for this. One blog reports that the estimated concrete costs alone are up around $1 million, so it's not expected that this flume will open anytime soon. Of course, we talked about the train at the beginning of the episode, but I haven't really made it clear that the park has a fairly legitimate railroad. Little America operates three different steam trains. Their first was the Atlantic, nicknamed the Little Engine That Could. It was built in 1969, and it came from the Sanford Zoo in Florida. 
Now, this engine was a 16-inch gauge, which is why the Whiskey River Railway is made to a 16-inch gauge and not the more common 15-inch gauge. The next train to come was the Oakland Acorn, built in 1949 by George Reddington and Robert Blecka in Oakland Park in California. And Little America has its sister as well, the Gene Autry Melody Ranch special called Daylight. The two trains are actually identical. Identical in the working parts, just dressed differently. The track itself covers a great distance, about two and a half miles, and takes about 20 minutes to traverse. There are grade crossings, a tunnel, and a roundhouse. Trains can reportedly hold about 150 people at a time, and the train is actually the park's most expensive ride. The train starts out by looping through most of the park. It then meanders through outbuildings before moving into farmland and fields. There are farm animals, including sheep and llamas. A fairly recent addition is a second stop at the Whistle Stop campground, the new accommodations adjacent to the park. Things have not been perfect for Little America over the years. A fire in 2000 caused over $200,000 in damages, and it ruined a train machine shop. Said Merrick to the paper at the time, quote, I don't believe in insurance, end quote. And in 2018, a ride operator was fired for seemingly nodding off while operating a kiddie ride. Reportedly, Merrick, quote, never made a nickel, end quote, on the park, at least during his lifetime. He died in 2011. Clompmaker continues to run the park per Merrick's wishes, and it is now, if not making a nickel, at least an honest living. In an interview online, Clompmaker describes the park as filling a void. This is a small, quaint, classic kitty park. It's a dying breed, and it's a working collector's museum for the theme park hobbyist. The park allows parents and grandparents an inexpensive place to take kids and grandkids, standing out in a sea of over-the-top thrills at other massive parks. At the same time, Little America is rough and tumble. There's essentially no theming, the ride's mechanisms are laid bare for all to see. Fences are a suggestion at best. Like I said, a ride operator was fired in 2018 for seemingly falling asleep while operating a kitty carousel. The whole place does seem like it's waiting for a massive negative public outcry on social media. But at the same time, it's a hobby park. It's like a real-life museum. It, quote, personifies old-fashioned amusement traditions, end quote. The rides are meticulously maintained, meticulously painted. History is an important part of Little America. Clotmaker is quoted as saying, quote, We try to keep the nostalgia alive. End quote. Did I mention all of Little America's borders? Main Street on one side, the parking lot on another, the railroad tracks on another, and the town cemetery on the other. Yes, as your children spin in endless circles on the vintage car carousel or the Pinto Brothers 1940s fire truck ride, you, the adult, get to stare out at Marshall's Town Cemetery and contemplate the similarly endless cycle of life and death. Hunter S. Thompson once was quoted as saying, buy the ticket, take the ride. The contrast between the flower-bedecked headstones and the regular whoosh of the Little Dipper invites you and your children to do just that. 
Little America is real, it's authentic, and it's fun. And Little America is a great place to visit. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Abandoned Carousel. You can find show notes for this episode at my website, theabandonedcarousel.com backslash 20. I'm always interested in hearing from you about the places that you've been and the places that you want to hear me talk about. You can find me across social media as The Abandoned Carousel. I mention it in the show notes each week, but it's probably time I start mentioning it in the episode itself. My theme song is from Aerobatics in Slow Motion by Technoax. You can find a link in the show notes. I'll be back soon with another great episode of The Abandoned Carousel, so I will see you then. In the meantime, remember what Lucy Maud Montgomery said. Nothing is ever really lost to us as long as we remember it. Remember it.